Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Miller and Condon on a Wednesday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Trent Condon and myself, Ken Miller, talking with you right up until noon. Lots of sports on the program uh, here today. Coming up at about 20 minutes from now, Bill Bender from the Sporting News. Covers college football on a national basis for the Sporting News. Uh, there's some stories out there that need to be discussed with Bill, uh, including two, uh, I mean, big coaches who have passed away over the last uh, few days in uh, Pete Dye and of course Johnny Majors, former Iowa State head coach who passed away today. Some news from Iowa State regarding the coronavirus and four student athletes. Student athletes, uh, no uh, indication and nor should there be at this point or maybe ever as to what sport that those athletes participate in as well as a, I believe it is a, a coach uh, was also um identified as uh, coming down with the virus Oklahoma State same thing including one of their uh one of the Big 10's defensive all Big 12 rather uh preseason the linebacker I'm going to try his name Ogbong Bamija Amiga. I'll I'll give it to you. That's pretty close. Anyways, a hell of a player, a senior on Oklahoma State, one of their better players, certainly maybe the best player on defense. Uh, and he came out publicly yesterday and said that uh, he has been stricken with the virus. So, point being, it's it's we're all we're all hopeful, right? In in every sport, but this might be uh, you hate to say it, a sign of things to come. But um, you know, maybe there'll be some lessons to be learned from this. Some things that could be, and I don't, I'm not saying anybody's doing anything wrong, but maybe there'll be some, um, some lessons learned on how to handle this. And hats off to Iowa State for the transparency yes, that they've yeah. shown. I mean, since this happened, Pollard's been on Front Street, and then they put this uh, story out, uh, this, um, this story out this morning. Uh, a part time staff member. That was what it was, a part time yeah, staff part-time, member. So we're, I mean, you can make assumptions out of that to stay away from the assumption game, but. When you hear something like that, it's not somebody in a full-time capacity. Mm-hmm. That's when you can easily sweep under the rug. You, you can, Yeah, but they didn't. It wasn't a full-time employee. Right. It wasn't a salaried employee. But they didn't. And yep. I think that shows you a lot about the leadership there no, no during this crisis. Yeah, no, no question. Uh, Jamie Pollard has done an unbelievable job uh, with this, in my opinion. In my opinion. So uh, we will talk to Bill Bender at 1020. We're going to talk to our friend Randy Wehofer from the Iowa Cubs. Uh, looking less and less likely that there will be minor league baseball at any level, which sadly is going to uh, affect us here in Des Moines, in downtown Des Moines with the I-Cubs. And I know Tommy Birch did a piece yesterday with Sam Burnaby, the uh, general manager of the Iowa Cubs, um, you know, what they may try to do to, you know, generate some income in the ballpark that won't be used for minor league baseball in our likelihood this year. So Randy Wayhofer at uh, 1040 or thereabouts. David Kaplan, Centurion Stone of Iowa. We're going to head to Chicago, as we do every Wednesday with Cappy and then Cody Goodwin uh, from the uh, Des Moines Register High School Sports. And I know he was covering the protests last night as well. You know, our friend Rob Luther from the, the um, head football coach and an administrator in uh, Baxter School District. I believe he's still the principal at Baxter High School. He had a, he had a tweet yesterday that, um, you know what, Rob, you're right. You know, he goes out to baseball practice. And he sees all this social distancing and everybody doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And then these kids get off the field and, you know, they all congregate together, right? Yeah, yeah. 
It's kind of self-defeating. Well, the reality is that these kids talking to high school-aged parents and administrators, they haven't been social distancing for months. This has been something that is happening. And that was part of at least the argument on the high school side of letting high school athletes play Mm -hmm. this summer sports season. They're already together. They're already hanging out. Roosevelt, I saw them. All the players during practice were wearing masks. Face coverings, yeah. They were doing that during the whole practice. Mm Mm-hmm. But are they doing that when they're hanging out in the la- in the in the parking lot afterwards? Are they or doing that snookies or yeah, <laughs> going over to somebody's house and playing some video games? And right. I'm gonna guess that those face coverings probably come off at that point. But for the school district, you certainly understand that. Yep. From the coaches, the people involved in the game, you want to protect these kids at least when they're with you. You can't protect them all the time. As a parent, you know that, mm-hmm. and you know that as a coach, you can't protect them 24 seven. But during the period that you do have them. Do what you can to make it as safe as possible. No question about it. No, no doubt about it. Can I uh, get away from sports for just a couple of minutes? Yeah. Because something dawned on me yesterday, Trent. Um, I am legitimately hopeful that this is a turning point in the world for what we're seeing. And you know why that is? It's the young generation. You know, your generation now has help. Yeah, right. Right, they do. I mean, when you were, if you would have gone through this and you you know in your 30s and there's certainly i'm not i'm not saying that nobody in their 40s 50s 60s and 70s uh feels to say that we are uh, on the verge of you know seeing seeing something we don't want to see if we don't change but it's the 20 somethings who are going to give way to those teenagers that are watching those 20 somethings and the world is about to be it's about to be their world someday right um and it's because of that that I legitimately feel that the world is about to change for the best because of the young generation and what they're doing. They're the ones protesting peacefully. I'm not saying that there's no 50s, 60s, mm-hmm. but it's a lot of 20s yeah. and a lot of 30s. And it's those generations, to me anyways, that are going to lead this world and this country uh, into long overdue change. You know, it's funny you mention that because I had this... It's just a theory. It's just a thought. But even the generation younger than me, the, the people that you're talking about, the kids that are teenagers and into their 20s, that group of people, you know, they grew up in the instant gratification age where everything is at your fingertips at all times. And you want to get what you want right now. Now, we talk about that so many times on the negative side and how bad that can be. But when you're talking about making real change, My generation went through that. Your generation went through that. And there was change that happened. But they want it now. And they're not going to stop until it happens. Mm -hmm. My generation, you kind of lose focus after a Mm -hmm. while. This generation, they want it to happen because that's what they're used to. And maybe that's a good thing. You can finally put a positive spin on this generation that... We've used it as a negative so many times in the past. I think it turns out this could be a really good thing. Ella and Jack's world, your five-year-old and soon-to-be one-year-old, mm-hmm. are going to uh, live in a world, maybe I'm naive, I don't think I am, um, in, in a world maybe they'll grow up where you know, racism is such a, a – will it exist, of course, in yeah. some small pockets, but I don't think to the extent 
that we're seeing. I really believe that. It's the, you know, the 30-somethings, now the 20-somethings, they are completely behind this. The teenagers mm-hmm. are watching those 20-somethings. You know, your your kids' age, AD's kids' age, they're going to grow up in a world. And, and, and I truly believe that this is a tipping point. I think we are there. I mean, this is day eight. And has there been, are there bad apples out there when it gets dark? Of course there are, but there's a lot of peaceful stuff going on. Right. And, um, I have hope. I, I love that. I have hope. I love to, I love to see that from you. I love optimistic Ken when he shows up yeah. and and certainly you can feel that. You can feel the changes coming and and you have a background. Your dad was a police officer and then what turned into an he, investigator? Is that he right? He was a um a detective sergeant detective, yeah. homicide and armed robbery and um that's who he retired at detective sergeant. My brother was a mm-hmm. 32-year-old 32-year uh, on the force. Uh, I was accepted into the academy the same day that I was offered the job as the race caller at the track in Winnipeg. The same day, wow. literally. Yep. Same you talk day. about a decision with eighteen? You're eighteen? Uh, no, I was twenty one. Twenty one. Because here's the thing, I had to be you ha- in, in, at the time. You had to be five ten. Okay. To get to be accepted to the academy, and I tried and tried five nine and three quarters, five nine and three quarters. How do you stretch yourself out? So I laid in the back seat. I mean, if I went first thing in the morning, uh-huh. I laid in the back seat. My dad took me down there. And now I don't know if I was really 5'10 or not, but maybe they got sick of seeing me show up. Because uh, I wanted to be a cop. I grew up in a cop household. Yeah. You know, I'm Ken Jr., my dad, Ken Sr. And I wanted to follow him. And my brother did. And now he's retired and has been for seven or eight years. And here I am. <laughs> um, but uh, anyways, yeah. But I see change. I see hope, Trent. I really do. It's the young kids. It's the young generation that are going to soon it'll be their world you know mm-hmm. soon you'll be giving way to the 20 somethings and then the you know they're 30 somethings and 40 somethings i'm i'm i got a whole bunch of positive in me uh last night watching that i mean look at the police blotters all over the country right look who's being arrested for um i don't know what they call it, disturbing the peace or failure to disperse they're 20 right. 25 24 uh, i think we're i think we're getting close i think we're we're going to see something good come out of this bad uh, that happened. Anyway, so let's get back to sports. That's my, I don't know, I call it a sermon, but thank you for allowing me to uh, to express those uh, express those opinions. So uh, with the with with the the COVID uh, now in um, in Ames, we'd be naive to think it's not in a lot of campuses. Mm-hmm. Maybe it has been, and it just hasn't been made public. That would be my assumption at this point. Oklahoma State, uh, as we mentioned, the uh, the, the t- tremendously talented linebacker, the senior, the captain on that team, Ogbog Bamiga, uh, is um, he he made it public yesterday that he has it. Apparently, there are four incoming freshmen at Oklahoma State who are in the same boat. It's going to be difficult. We all think that we're going to have NFL. We hope there's college football. We're, we believe there'll be NBA, NHL, MLB. But it's it's not going to be just because you know they're going to work things out. Um, Bob Bowlesby said he expects that there's going to be disruption. Trent, I think we'd be crazy to think that it's not going to happen. It's going to happen at some university, some campus, in a widespread way. And what does that mean? You know, for these individual cases, I think we know enough about COVID-19 now that we understand we're going to isolate them. We're going to put them into quarantine. We're going to keep them away. But it's going to be just that. You know, initially, going back to March, we thought, oh, somebody gets it. You just got to shut down the whole thing. Not the case at this point. But if it becomes widespread, how different that's going to be and how different that's going to be 
when we get to these NBA play- playoffs, NHL playoffs. Your boy Line. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, he's isolated. He's right. he's gone two weeks. Yeah. Okay, that's easy enough. And we can. Yeah, it sucks for your Jets. Mm-hmm. But that's the way that You're it is. Have that on all teams, I think. But what if it's two lines? Right. It's ten guys that are right. down. And right. What do you do at that point? Is does the team forfeit? Yeah. That's still. And those... How do you handle the quarterback room? Do you put them all in there at once? Do you zoom? I think that's probably the way you do it. You don't want all three of them together. Or no, four yeah. Them. That makes a lot of sense because one guy gets it, then all gets it. Probably and then so. You'd be like Maryland a couple of years ago when they are playing a linebacker yes, quarterback. Yes, yes. <laughs> I do. I remember that. Um, so, anyways, uh, uh, hats off to Iowa State uh, for the transparency yeah. that they can continue to uh, uh, to show and, quite honestly, lead the way in a lot of ways uh, through this thing. So I finally got through Lance Armstrong last night. You I did? Watched, I watched part two, yes. Um, I turned off all the riots, um, the protests, um, and because I, I wanted to watch Lance Armstrong, because I know you did, and mm-hmm. um, it was good. It was. It was. I good. was entertained by it. I, I was the same way. Is he? Did he squish people and lie and sue and destroy people? Absolutely did. He absolutely did. Uh, there's some relationships there that will never ever be put back together. <laughs> I understand if you know you're on the receiving end. Why would you want to talk to this sob? Uh, but it was a. It was. I thought very well done. I didn't see any TV numbers on part two. I have neither. And I would assume, with everything that was going on in the world, that those numbers are going to be minuscule at sure. best. Yep. Uh, but it was, you know, it's not. It wasn't the last dance, and it wasn't the easiest uh, guy to turn to carve out a couple of hours on your Sunday night to watch because he let a lot of people down. But at the same time, I mean, that live strong thing, Trent. Mm-hmm. Um, he did a lot of good. He did. He really did by by using his image, flawed as it would be shown to be at the time. Uh, he did a lot of good with ca- people that were stricken with cancer, and, and you could tell the hurt that and still, took no money for doing it. Right, the the hurt that was still with him though, when everything came down, when the suspensions was coming down, when the feds were running around him and live strong in the organization. Though he was obviously a big part of it, he was the face of it. Mm-hmm. They said he got to go. Yep. And he understood it. Right. But he it said, cut him. there'd be a way that I just step away. Mm-hmm. Because at this point, if he was still, I think, at the forefront of it now, I think it would be still looked Time's upon. Time's a great healer, Trent. It is. Yep. And Time's a great healer. Coming out the way that he has, starting with Oprah, which was. Yeah. Uh, Kind of a crazy part of that. Yeah, I didn't want to talk about that uh, hospital room in Indiana yes. where his teammate's wife... Um, Why is that? What? I don't know. I don't know. that. Um, was he, it something about perjuring himself? Was maybe. Something maybe. Un, I mean, that's about the only thing that you could think. Because apparently, the Oprah interview, that was about the only thing that you know he stayed clear of. Right. I think it was pretty... For, for him... And at that time. Right. He's somewhat, you know, transparent during the Oprah thing, but he didn't want to go down that road, and he acknowledged he just wasn't going to go there. Didn't try to lie. Now he comes out and says he doesn't remember that, whether he does or whether he doesn't. Look, he's he's never going to be a what he was ever thought of. It's just right. not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought it was a good watch. I was glad that, uh, you know, I carved out four hours uh, to watch it, and um, on we go to... Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee this coming Sunday. Which is another two hour? You know, I don't know. I, I, hadn't, don't, I hadn't looked forward in the, t- I will on the tonight. guide. I will tonight when I get home. And see how long that one's going mm-hmm. to be. And then uh, two weeks from that, we get... Yeah, that'll be good. Two weeks from uh, once, once the Bruce Lee thing. And then, you know what? We may... Boy, the Bruce Lee thing was good. Yeah, very well could be. <laughs> going McGuire and I mean, the two Escobars. I, when that one came out, 
which is still, I think, revered by most everybody as mm-hmm. at least as a single episode one, mm-hmm. the best 30 for 30. I was saying, eh, I, I just don't know. And I remember seeing on Facebook and on Twitter and social media, boy, that's really good. I had it on the DVR, so I watched it that night, and just being awestruck, a story that I knew pockets, right. very, very little, though, yeah. but how well done it was. And, and that's the hope. It's the stories. It's the easy stories. The home run chase of 98. Oh. Michael Jordan. Right. Bo Jackson. Right. These, these are the ones that are easy. One of my favorite ones that's completely off the radar, it was early on, was about the Baltimore Colts band. Yes. It was like the third or fourth one that came out. And I, what a stupid idea. Still active today. But Barry Levinson directed it, a great director, and you can see. Uh-huh. And I've heard Bill Simmons say in the past that was a reason that they continued to build because they got a director like that mm. to do a documentary, and it turned into what 30 for 30 has become. But a lot of times, that's what it is. The ones that you really have no anticipation for turned out to be some of the better ones, and that's the hope for Lee on Sunday night. I, I'm with you. I, I'm with you. All right, we'll take a time out. We're going to have uh, Bill Bender slide on in here. We'll talk some college football with Bill, see if he has the same feelings that, yeah, we sure, we're sure we sure hopeful. But this was kind of a, a reality check in some ways today just to think that, you know that these, even though the athletes are getting such, we think, such great care mm-hmm. on campus, um, that it, it can affect anybody. It can, At any it time. can get anywhere. Yeah. Even if you're the healthiest, fittest person in the uh, on the planet. I mean, there's four student athletes at Iowa State. Uh, Oklahoma State's got them again. Those two have come out and and uh, put it out there. How many schools? have decided, you know, we're just going to keep this in-house. We're just going to keep this quiet. You have to think, Trent, mm-hmm. uh, that there's more than this needs. But hats off to you, Jamie Pollard, for uh, how you've handled this entire uh, situation. We'll take a time out. Uh, we'll come back. We'll talk with Bill Bender, Randy Wayhofer from the Iowa Cubs, David Kaplan, our friend from Chicago at 11. Centurion Stone makes Cappy possible. And then Cody Goodwin on uh, high school athletics from the Des Moines Register, of course, for Cody at about 11.30. Trent and I are with you until noon. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3. And their families. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, welcome back, Miller and Condon. Boy, that's a divisive topic I just touched on. James Lloyd heard me say that I'm in favor of businesses closing early and that people causing it don't have to abide by curfews. That's what he heard. Well... That's what he heard. Let's get to Bill Bender from the Sporting News. He covers college football. Uh, Bill, welcome to the program. How are you, Bill Bender? Hey, how are you? Doing okay. Hanging in there. Uh, Bill, we've got some college football news in the Big 12 at a couple of schools that, look, we're all optimistic, right? We hope against hope that we're going to get through this COVID situation and get back on track and we'll have college football uh, because, I mean, it just means so much uh, to the the country, to sports fans, to the schools. We had four student-athletes, not football, they weren't identified, but four student-athletes uh, have uh, contracted the COVID virus. Likewise, Oklahoma State, that very gifted linebacker whose name I'm not going to say because I think I'm getting it right, uh, Ogbog Bamiga. Um, and apparently there's a number of other uh, college uh, football players at Oklahoma State that have been identified as having the virus. 
So, Bill, um, you know, just when we get that feeling pretty good about the way things are going, campuses are going to open up, uh, voluntary workouts have started in some uh, conferences, soon to start in others. We're reminded that uh, we're not through this by any means. No, and that's part of the deal. I mean, there's a lot of things going on in our world today that aren't that don't have to do with COVID, but I think, you know, in terms of getting these athletes back on the field, there's a lot of risk and there's a lot of things about this disease we don't know. And that's one of the things I continue to emphasize with people and whether it's asymptomatic or symptomatic or anything in between, it continues to evolve. So yeah, I mean, these are very real concerns as we try to get these guys back on the field. Bill, I I haven't seen anything that I've come across and and I want to see if you can help us out at all. I was wondering about antibody testing and as these players make their way back to campus and they get ready I haven't seen a university that has a plan to test all these guys for that. Of course, they're going to be tested for COVID, but it is a different direction when you're talking about the antibody testing. Have you heard anything either from the conference level or from each individual university? They're going to go about that route and see. And with so many great hospitals at these universities, you got to figure, hey, here's a great test case. We got 120 guys coming from across the country coming back to our campus. If there was ever time to test for the antibodies, the time would be there. Absolutely, and I think they can be helpful. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to, to have a uniform testing policy when you have 130 programs you're dealing mm-hmm. with. And, uh, and conferences, and I think this is one thing that, you know, I've heard Tim Brando and others call for a overall college football commissioner, and I'm totally in favor of that, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've said a couple, on a couple shows now that it's too bad he's still coaching because Nick Saban would be the perfect person for that. Because I think everything he says has college football's best interest. Sometimes it's Alabama's interest. That's okay. Um, you know, and his, I think he would be the perfect guy to do that. Or somebody of that caliber, um, a voice that could oversee the entire sport and have, uh, you know, these things go on. Who are a couple of other guys, Bill, that would fill that role? I mean, the first name that popped into my head, uh, and he's also coaching, I think North Carolina's going to have a health program this year, like maybe a Mac Brown. I'm trying to – or do you want somebody in that demographic to take over the college football commissionership knowing that he's probably not there for a long time? Um, got any other names? Bob Stoops? I mean, I mean, well, yeah, like somebody – yeah, you know – to me, it's either somebody like that, a former coach or a mm-hmm. former athletic director, somebody that would be on, you know, the, those members of the college football playoff committee are always good examples. Chris Howard, the president at Robert Morris, uh, he, he was a guy that I was blown away with just talking to a few times. So these are the guys that have the interest of, at, at, at heart and for the sport. And, I, you know, Bill Hancock always talks about it, that when he picks a committee member, they go find those people. They don't you know, people that seek out trying to be on the committee aren't the right people for that committee. So I think if you've got somebody like that, I mean, even if you wanted to have a guy like Bill Hancock involved in trying to find the right person, you know, whether it's a Greg Sankey or Kevin Warren type or a former football coach, I just think the time is right for the sport to have somebody mm-hmm. that can keep all of these schools together and, and point it in the right direction and, and offer something that the NCAA does it's time maybe for a commissioner overall, right? So, I mean, can this guy, once football season's over, can he branch off into basketball? Look, the NCAA, Bill, I think what we're seeing through this is 
they're losing their influence uh, when when you've got the Power Five conferences seemingly. If there if there ever is a breaking a breakaway time from the NCAA, it seems like the big conferences. This might be the time, and and if indeed that is the time, then there's going to need leadership at the top of those conferences. Do you feel that way that the NCAA may be losing their grip on what they're what they've tried to do? In, in, a, in some ways, but I think in others, they've become more student-athlete friendly. They've done things that uh, help the sport and uh, help student-athletes gain more opportunities. The likeness debate's out there now. I think, you know, one of the things I've been pressed with is, is guys like Trevor Lawrence coming out and yeah. speaking speaking their mind about some of the racial issues that have really pushed to the forefront, and all of us need to really take a hard look at ourselves, I mean, at, at every level. Um, but I, you know, you got to be proud of guys like Trevor Lawrence and especially Joe Burrow, who's now in the NFL. I mean, that gives me hope when you've got leaders at the most important position in mm-hmm. football that are white that are able to step out and talk about the issues that African Americans face and are young. That at least is a small sign of hope to me. Right, I'm with you. And, and are young. I, I'm convinced it's the it's the young, the gen, the young generation, the te- the late teens, the early twenties, thirties, that are going to lead this world. You know, my generation, um, you know, we're going to be pushed off the side or you know sent out to pasture, uh, and it's going to be the young people that that lead this thing in in a lot of ways. I agree with you, Bill. Bill, I want to go to the quarterback position? We know in your home state of Ohio, of course, we'll have Justin Fields back uh, at Clemson. You'll of course get Trevor Lawrence, but the three. I don't know, the big five, I guess, if you will, of college football. Alabama, Tua moves on. Mm-hmm. Mac Jones we saw a little bit, but they bring in, was it Bryce Young, the uh, number one traditional quarterback coming in next season. Oklahoma, who seemingly mm-hmm. always finds somebody, they got a great dual threat coming in. And then LSU, the defending national champion, what they do post-Joe Burrow. Those three programs, part of the big part of college football. What you see at the quarterback positions? Yeah, I mean, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Sam Howell, another good good quarterback in North Carolina, going to have a big year for mm-hmm. them. Uh, I think Fields and Lawrence have separated themselves now. Mm-hmm. Lawrence lost one of his best receivers. That was yes. not a great story about Justin Ross this week. Oof. But, you know, Clemson's got enough talent around him. He'll be fine. Um, you know, and then you start to look for some of the sleepers. Like, yeah, like I was talking earlier, I'm starting to convince myself that USC is going to be pretty good because Keaton Slavis is back. Mm-hmm. You've got a good target in the Ross St. Brown, and um, he's one of those quarterbacks. You look at his freshman year, he's only going to get better, and uh, I think the Trojans might be all right. I'm with you. I'll give you another name, and I know he's not a Power 5 guy, but Trey Lance at North Dakota State. Man, the pub he's getting it's here during this unbelievable. He didn't throw a pick last year, Bill Bender. Yeah, well, why isn't he playing for, like, Iowa, Wisconsin, or Minnesota? Yeah. What, what happened? That's you a know, great like, question. you, know, you got to wonder. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Iowa obviously loses Stanley, a quarterback that, that was really good, you know, solid, fit into what Kirk Ferentz is doing. I, I started fleshing out my 1-to-130 coach rankings that you guys love so much. Yeah. <laughs> kind of just slipped my mind that Iowa won 10 games last year. I was like, wow, that, that's impressive, actually. Um, and... Um, you know, Wisconsin obviously going to be breaking in a new quarterback as well. Minnesota, Tanner Morgan's a guy that's going to get a lot of pub this year. Yes, too. he is. Because yeah, because he's throwing to Bateman, he's throwing to some good receivers, mm-hmm. and um, I think he has an arm to get a next level look. I just don't know, you know, if if that's more than a backup, can he push into be a 
round two, round three guy. We'll see. You know who else is on those list of quarterbacks? Uh, is Brock Purdy at Iowa State, just a junior. Uh, waited till the middle of his freshman season before he got his opportunity and has, has done nothing but, uh, you know, put up terrific numbers. He was hurt last year. I'm convinced that, and I know that there was, uh, I think some offseason cleanup, but I think the injuries were uh, more pr- pronounced, uh, perhaps than was led on during the season. But, you know, from a, um, from where you, from your outpost in Ohio and covering college football nationally, your thoughts on Brock Purdy? Yeah, that is, yeah another one I was going to say. He's kind of like Morgan, but maybe a little more mobile and probably got a chance to put up some more big games in the Big 12 and mm-hmm. get a look that way as long as he continues to you know, improve his progression and, and not make mistakes. I think he's kind of that guy as far as Big 12 quarterbacks go. I mean, Spencer Sanders is going to get a lot of attention. For sure. Ellinger, Ellinger's been there forever. Yep. And then Spencer Rattler stepping in at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Those guys will get the headlines. But Purdy's going to get a chance to play against all those guys. And, and if he has a good game, and continues to play well, he's another guy that's going to get a look at the next level. Bill, uh, last week we were talking about the opening of college football, that week one, and Navy-Notre Dame being a part of that. Week zero. Not the case anymore, and they will be moving from the game that was originally scheduled to be played in Ireland, but it'll be going to Annapolis, the home of, of course, the Naval Academy. What a great environment that's going to be. 34,000-seat stadium. Now, how many people are going to be allowed in? That's a different conversation right. there, but quite the coup there. You know, and I've heard so much about Michy Stadium where Army plays and what a just great backdrop that is of college football. Iowa State played out there years ago, talking to people that went out there, just said how cool that is. I haven't heard a ton about Annapolis. What have you heard about that stadium and the environment for a good, a big Navy game? A couple upsets there. So, I mean, just to have Notre Dame there will be cool. Yep. You know, the spectacle of that. I know they typically play the Notre Dame home games, well, Navy's home games in NFL venues or over in Ireland. And I think it's just going to add something that we can be excited for on Labor Day weekend. Sometimes when you play in a smaller stadium, the scarcity adds to it. And I think that place will be full. It'll be rocking. They can make it feel more like a Navy home game. That'd be kind of cool for the midshipmen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm all for it. I, you know, if that's a game that they can get in, and I think they made the right call by not going over to Dublin when, when obviously travel is a huge concern right now. Yeah, no doubt about that, uh, Bill. So, how far is it, Annapolis from Baltimore? Anybody know? It's got. I be. don't think it's very. No, it's got to be close, close. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it should be easy and a easy trip. Yeah, I, I don't think it's. I mean, I don't think it's a suburb necessarily, but I don't think it's very far. Trent, thirty know? miles. Thirty miles. There's your answer. There you go. Thirty miles. Yeah, that that will be. Uh, um, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad it's on campus. But if, you know, the, of all the years <laughs> when you yeah. potentially can have fans uh, uh, in, in the stadium. Uh, so, Bill, what uh, what other lists are you coming out that are going to generate a significant amount of feedback, both positive and negative? Well, right now, I mean, they're playing the miracle of Michigan tomorrow. So I'm, I, it's my contention that no fan base has had more heartbreaking last-second losses than the University of Michigan. And, uh, you know, they, they're one they know very well with Iowa. Mm-hmm. Last-second field goal there. So uh, uh, between that, the pump fumble, and, and everything in between, there are very few schools that have had a <laughs> had a run quite like them, especially on the big stage. The last-minute losses are heartbreaking. Yeah, and your lookalike was in the stands for that uh, Michigan, yeah. Michigan State. <laughs> he certainly was. <laughs> well, it's unbelievable. It really, it's uncanny, Bill Bender. It really and truly is. The you, he looks so much like you. 
Oh, I, I told people I got so many texts you last bet. night. I mean, it's a dirty secret, and, and some you know, I keep it back. But you know, I grew up kind of a Michigan fan, so uh, yeah, don't share I got that a one. Bunch of te- I got a bunch of texts that night. Said, "Was that you?" And I said, "No, I was in the press box. I have to work. <laughs> I have to be a professional." And uh, you know, it was it was funny. I texted that kid last year because he followed me on Twitter, and I said, "We've got to get a picture at some point." <laughs> really? I missed him at last year's game. Because I think it'd be one of the better. That that's something that would definitely go viral. Yeah, no. So, what about Harbaugh? Um, is there pressure on him? Well, you know, in the climate that we're in, with athletic department budgets being, you know, slashed uh, as as we anticipate that they will be, there might be coaches that normally would be, you know, looking for their next gig and taking that uh, that uh, payout at the for not uh, for for losing their gig. But we might not have as much of that this year, Bill, because of those circumstances. Sure, and I think uh, in a lot of ways, guys like uh, Harbaugh and others that make these exorbitant salaries, we may see a cut. You know, they may have to, so they reduce pay, and that's fine. You know, I think one of the things about Jim Harbaugh, I would tell people, and you saw him out marching yesterday. For all the talk about his record against top ten teams and his record against Ohio State, there aren't too many coaches that are better advocates for the student athlete or who are in tune with issues quite like him. You know. And I think Kurt Ferentz had a great statement this week. I think a lot of football coaches get it because they deal with African-American athletes all the time. And um, not for their own self-benefit, too. So, yeah, I mean, Harbaugh out marching yesterday, that, that was something that we should be, you know, pretty cool with because I thought it was a nice statement by him. Final question for me, Bill. We'll get you out on this. The other side of that game we're talking about, the ridiculous Michigan-Michigan State game, Mel Tucker taking over, yeah. uh, boy, just feels like incredibly difficult circumstances. The program that D'Antonio built, yet all the turmoil that has been surrounding the program, what they're going to be going forward, what a behemoth Ohio State has turned into. And, of course, you have Penn State and Michigan just in that division. Indiana seems like they're making steps forward there. If you had to make a prediction, how well does the Mel Tucker regime go at Michigan State? I mean, he's in a tough spot because Mark D'Antonio – kind of maxed out what you can do there you know he was 500 against penn state michigan and ohio state combined like when you take his record against those three schools combined he was 500 that's hard to do at michigan yes. state <laughs> you know against those three especially when you know the problem tucker faces that d'antonio didn't penn state and michigan were kind of a mess for a while and I, they're at least operational and like you said ohio state is this bms that i, I don't know who's going to stop them I hope somebody in the Big Ten does, just from the standpoint it'll spice it up a little bit. But, you know, we've seen Wisconsin, Penn State, Michigan take swings at them. And with the exception of two anomalies against Purdue and Iowa in the last three years, the domination continues. Uh, I know you were on a, uh, another radio program earlier today and you picked the winner of the ACC and the SEC. How much, uh, how much thought had to go into that? Is, is, it, is this you're going to be tougher than normally most years would be? No, I mean, Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, and then you try to find the fourth playoff team. Yeah. I mean, it's, is it a Big 12 team like Oklahoma, or is it a second SEC team, or a team like Oregon? I mean, it is a top-heavy sport, as you guys know. Yep. doesn't mean we can't have passion for it, but it wouldn't hurt. 
mean, LSU winning last year was a nice surprise, and it wouldn't hurt if we had another one this year. See, I'm th- I think North Carolina is going to give uh, – maybe I'm hopeful. Maybe I just want to see change. But I, I, I'm hopeful North Carolina is uh, poised for a breakout year. You mentioned uh, Howell, the quarterback there. I think he's a terrific player. Maybe, Bill. I mean, I know Clemson's got a pretty good quarterback in their own right. But uh, is North Carolina maybe Clemson's biggest threat to, to win the conference overall? I mean, they are, and I think one more cycle, they may be actually ready. You saw them take them to the limit last year. Yeah. I think it's about building depth through recruiting. Mac's done a good job there. Mac seems refreshed. He's learned from the break and as affable as ever. And uh, when you've got a quarterback like Sam Howell, who we have ranked third, um, you got a chance to win every game. And I think uh, North Carolina's that program. They, I think they're a year away, but uh, – if there was a program over the next three years that could unseat Clemson at least one time, maybe one time, maybe not every year, it's either them or Louisville. And Louisville was Satterfield. I think yeah. they're heading in the right direction as well. I'm with you. Bill Bender, great to catch up with you. Thank you, Bill. Hey, no problem. Thanks. Good to talk to you. Bill Bender, SportingNews.com, SportingNews.com, college football there, national writer. Randy Wayhofer uh, from the Iowa Cubs joins Trent and I next. What are they going to do at Principal Park this summer? Well, well High school baseball. I saw Scott Saylor. Oh, you did? Said uh, eight scheduled, and they are looking for more. And right. I, I know there's plenty of room for me to have my own spot up in that press box. So you're politicking hard, well, right? Well, I mean, might we might see some schedule changes on the preliminary cakes and all high school uh, baseball broadcasting schedules. Is that what be, you're saying? Might be updated a little bit more if I can make my way to Principal Park to pol- call a game. I am in, no doubt. Uh, we will talk to Randy Wayhofer next. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Great bourbon whiskey. Hey, welcome back, Miller and Condon. With you until noon, David Kaplan from Chicago at 11 o'clock. Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors Cappy. Cody Goodwin from the Des Moines Register on the high school softball and baseball as practice has begun. You'll talk to Cody Goodwin. Looking forward uh, to that conversation right now. Uh, Randy Wayhofer, the he's vice president. He's also the assistant general manager of the Iowa Cubs, and he joins us to catch up. It's been a while, Randy. How have you been? Hanging in there. How about you, Ken? Doing well. Uh, fingers crossed we're going to have Major League Baseball from I know you guys get your marching orders from the, the from the parent club. Um, does it seem less and less likely that we are going to have minor league baseball, Randy? This year, I mean, uh, obviously. De- yeah, it depends on the day. You know, I, I think when you hear the news about you know minor league field staff and training staff people being furloughed by some major league organizations, um, that causes you concern. Of how quick are they going to bring them back? Um, you know, I, I think the, uh, I don't know every detail of what I read about, you know, the story that got a little publicity about the players that were released and, uh, yep. some, um, reaction that that formed, all those guys probably would have been released in March right. <laughs> in a normal year. Uh, so, uh, I think some of that could be considered uh, generous that they got paid for two more months in the middle of in in the middle of all of this, rather than how tragic it was. Uh, that's just kind of the nature of this business. Uh, on for, you know, that's just part of it. There's only so many spots, um, and and more people capable of working in them than than there are. Uh, there's probably more to the story anecdotally for a handful of those, uh, and those stories have probably come out and and 
we'll, we'll learn more about it. But, um, you know, so depending on what the news of the day is kind of certainly affects my optimism meter. Um, but I know at the end of the day, in order to win World Series this year and beyond, you got to have the most best right. players. And the only way you get better is play uh, against good competition. So we certainly play an important role in that. And, and as soon as they can, you know, figure out the, the big first step, then hopefully we'll, we'll fall in line here pretty quick behind it and find out what they want to do. Randy, make a great point. And you've been around the minor league game for a long time. I mean, I probably no way of quantifying this, but how much will it stunt the development of these minor leaguers if they have to miss a whole entire season? I imagine quite a bit because not only are you missing the whole entire season, but the workout capabilities under the current scenario, um, you know, are really challenging. Uh, You read stories about guys trying to throw into a mattress uh, in their basement, just keep their their arm in shape. Um, You know, I I think the top of the line guys have facilities in their homes uh, where they're, you know, I see video of Freddie Freeman hitting off the tee into a net by his pool at his big house, wherever he's at. Well, the minor league guys, you know, might be living in their parents' basement and may not have those kinds of things available to them. So I, um, I, I think any time you would take a year off from any skill that you had, um, as long as you've been doing what you're doing and as good as you are at it, if you didn't do a show for a year, the first month back might not be exactly the way you left it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the same for my job and anybody else. So I, I, I think, you know, I, I think a lot of those guys would catch up quicker than the rest of us but there'll be some time to catch up randy uh as you know do a lot of high school baseball here on the air here he goes i i know no 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 it's not going to the direction you think I, i've already talked to randy about that side of it but you're gonna have some high school games on there regardless of what you find out for the iowa cubs but there are other things that you can do also inside the park. I saw there was a minor league affiliate that's opened up basically as an Airbnb. And you can go and you can rent out the field and stay there and sleep overnight on the field and bring your sleeping bags and do it that way. What else outside of what we've seen in the past? High school baseball games, things like that. What else are you guys thinking about doing at Principal Park this year? No, for the last three weeks or so I've had our staff working in small groups to develop a list of events that each group can kind of coordinate. We started some of that with the graduation Mm -hmm. uh, photo opportunity on the video board. We've got an opportunity right now to uh, order a a gift basket of stuff from the store and some goodies like we have done on Valentine's day and and past years. And Cubby will deliver those too. Uh, Maybe you can't get together with your grandkids for their birthday uh, just yet, but you want to send them something and they're a big baseball fan and have Cubby drop it off uh, at the house or, or, or somewhere. So those kinds of things are available. We've talked about uh, a movie night at the ballpark on the video board that some teams have done. We've talked about fan BP, uh, you know, pay a dollar a swing up to 10 at a time. And wow. see if you can hit one out of the ballpark. And so we've got a good list of ideas. Um, uh, we are in the midst and getting close to having a plan put together uh, for our staff protocols for returning to the ballpark and dealing with the public so the public can understand what the, the parameters of, of being with us are as things are, you know, the, the 50% capacity thing is a misnomer if six feet apart is the expectation. Right. Um, those two things don't match. Uh, and if six feet apart is going to be our baseline for interaction, uh, going forward, even if it was expanded to 75% capacity, 
that doesn't change how many people I can put uh, in the seats six feet apart. Uh, so we're trying to figure out the best seating chart that we can um, to get uh, be safe and allow uh, for as many people to be here uh, for events that they would want to participate in and get the state's input and the city's input uh, to uh, be confident in the fact that we're doing all we can to protect people while they are here, our staff while they're here, but also offer unique opportunities and fun things to do as we learn for those kinds of things as we get into into summertime. So um, some of those things we're keeping in our back pocket a little bit to see what the status of our season is. We don't want to put the stadium or the field in a position where we can't have it at the level it needs to be for AAA baseball because we've overdone it with these other things in the meantime of waiting to see how much AAA season we would get. Um, but as we get a clearer picture of that one way or the other, um, we'll start to do more and more of those kinds of things. BP at the ballpark, I think that'd be a, I hate to say home run. Uh, I mean that's, uh, but I think that'd be that would be uh, you'd get some interest there. I believe, Randy. I know you're a you're a good baseball guy. You you love the game. Uh, what's being at least talked about right now, uh, a 50 game, and I think that that's just a negotiating start. But when I first heard it, I thought it was, you know, this is ridiculous. Come on, you're going to put a big asterisk beside whoever wins it. it. Would there be a parade in that city if you won the World Series after a 50 game regular season? But the more I think about it, I mean, we're in, we're in, we've never been here, right? It's uncharted. Why not do something out of the box? You guys are going to do a lot of those things at Principal Park. But as a baseball lifer like you are, what would you think about a 50 game major league season? I, I, I would welcome it. Uh, I, I think the opportunity to just provide that opportunity for fans, to provide that opportunity for players and coaches. I mean, I've always said that this is more of a lifestyle than a job for those of us that have immersed ourselves uh, in the industry. Um, you know, I, I've I've never been home in May and June right. uh, before, um, <laughs> and and while there's pluses to that, um, the longer you do that, it, it's difficult to just kind of flip a switch sometime next season and and think that it's going to be great. You know, I don't want to I don't want to admit as much as. Uh, that pitcher out there doesn't want to miss the chance to throw 30 innings or 100 innings. You know, uh, how are we going to be able to put on an event and, and get the ballpark ready a, a year from now if we take a whole year off from doing it? So, if it's safe to do, and there is a, a way to create that atmosphere that people who are comfortable in participating in that kind of thing, uh, I, I would never ask anyone to do anything and participate in anything that put them at, at risk for things more important than watching a baseball game for their lives. But for the people out there that are interested in having an outlet for their passion, their interest, or a diversion from all the real-life things that they're dealing with on a day-to-day basis, that's what we provide in, even in a non-pandemic world. Um, and for the mental health of our community, if we can provide something safely that allows for people to escape or to be entertained or to exercise uh, and for major league baseball to do that I, I i think those are good things randy if indeed the the season uh, the minor league minor league baseball is canceled uh, throughout the country uh if high school baseball starts and they have to take a you know a break um could they would that allow them to push back their playoffs i guess i know right now they're locked in for what the 17th through the 
22nd or thereabouts could, with no baseball, theoretically, they could push back if the need arises, right? Yeah, if if we are not in a situation where Major League Baseball has has given us an answer, or they've given us the answer that we hope not to hear uh, of of no season, then we're we're open to being the best partner we can for the high school association or whatever other group um, you know that that has those challenges that we can help meet. Um, you know, any of that kind of decision would come from the high school association, the athletic directors, and and the coaches. Uh, we wouldn't influence that whatsoever, but. Um, if if we didn't have a Triple A baseball season to protect, we will look to find any and all opportunities to sustain our own right. business and to provide opportunities for the community. So, Triple um, A baseball has to be our number one priority if and when we get the word that it will start uh, and to take care of it the way that we always did. If that's not where we are, then we're we want to be as open minded as we can to whatever. Uh, solutions that we can help provide. I'm anxious to see some of the ideas that the groups have come up with. Uh, what we've heard today certainly has piqued my uh, piqued my attention. Randy Wayhofer from the Iowa Cubs. Hi to Sam Burnaby for me. Thank you for coming on, Randy. Uh, anxious to see that list, if indeed uh, that's the path that uh, circumstances uh, lead you down. Thanks, Randy. You're welcome. Thank you. Good to talk to you, Randy Wayhofer from the Iowa Cubs. I like it. Good stuff. Wouldn't you spend a few bucks to try and hit a ball over the fence? I mean, well, you wouldn't get close. No, no. You need to put like one of those snow fences up about right. 200 feet away, and then I might have a chance. That would be fun, though. I'm not hitting one over the Cub Club, that's for sure. Probably not. All right, we'll come back. Uh, David Kaplan uh, from Chicago, Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors Cappy. He will lead off the 11 o'clock hour. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM.